We're now listening to the Nick's State of Mind podcast, presented by Elite Sports Radio. And now, your hosts, Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nick's State of Mind podcast. Chip Murphy here with me, Matt Castillo, and the NBA draft is complete. We know who the Knicks got. To me, a little bit of a surprise, Chip, not to you. You were the one that was hinting towards us that, that Knox was going to be the guy that the Knicks took. You know, you, you talked about the reports that he grew on the Knicks and the Knicks were impressed uh, with his workouts and all that. And I, I still was a little skeptical myself because it really kind of came in the last week or so, the last maybe two weeks where we started to hear about his name. And I figured it would be like a Mikel Bridges or a Michael Porter Jr., um, I remember, Chip, I, I, I was texting you with Michael Porter Jr. on the board, and I said, you know, I think the Knicks got to take him here. I think, you know, this is a the guy that we got to grab, and, and you, were, you were happy with Kevin Knox. So what we're going to do here in this first segment, you know, we'll talk about uh, Kevin Knox being drafted, and, and I'm not like I was last year when the Knicks didn't draft my guy. So it's not like that. But you told me that you're happy with this pick. When you look at the comparison to somebody like Michael Porter Jr., they were saying if healthy, and I know that's a big if. He's a Kevin Durant-type player. The Knicks passed on him several teams did. He fell a 14th in the draft. So I wanted you to tell me why you liked Kevin Knox over Michael Porter Jr. there. Well, the biggest thing is Michael Porter Jr.'s question about his health. I mean, you can't. You can't knock that fact. I mean, the reason Denver felt comfortable taking him at 14 was because they already have so much young talent. If Michael Porter Jr. does flame out for them, they already have Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. They're loaded with a <laughs> the, the type of young talent that the Knicks, quite frankly, don't have. So Porter is a, a worthwhile gamble for them. Um, if he hits, then... My God, look, if, if Porter hits and is like a, a star talent, like people are project, some people are projecting him to be, Denver's going to be a dangerous team for a long time. And if he misses, well, then Denver's still a pretty good damn team. And they just locked up Jokic for a ton of money and a ton of years. So it was a worthwhile gamble for Denver. But for the Knicks, who needs a in my opinion, I've said this on the show, more of a sure thing, not that Knox is a sure thing, but Knox doesn't have this really kind of sketchy medical history that Porter does, which if you look, just look at the fact that the Clippers had two picks back to back, okay, where they could have taken him on either pick and they passed on him. And that's Jerry West, by the way, like the greatest general manager in history. So if Jerry West is passing on him, I'm going to take Jerry West's opinion as gospel. Um, And a lot of people thought that Porter would go to the Clippers. So, look, I I like Knox a lot because, first of all, I like the fact that he's 18. He's young. Uh, He turns 19. Yeah, August 11th, he turns 19. Um, 
So it's just like Frank. He's coming in as one of the younger players in the league. He's going to be raw. But uh, David Fisdale mentioned at his press conference that he thinks he could be the starting small forward this year, which I also like that. I That, by the way, is something Jeff Hornacek never would have said about one of his younger right. players. I love that David Fisdale said that. That was great. Um, it's I love that he's a scorer. I love that he's, you know, a lot of the comparisons I've seen, I saw uh, the ringer compared him to Tobias Harris, which... Look, that's a, a New York guy, Long Island, he's from. Uh, the ringer compared yeah, Tobias Harris and Al Harrington are two of the guys he compared him to. And I was always a big Al Harrington fan when right. he was with the Knicks. Look, he one of the big things that he was great at when he was with Kentucky, he was really good around the rim. I was watching videos of him, and uh, I looked up his field goal percentage. He was 67% around the rim. Like, that's really good for a forward. Now, I know, like, only 22% of his shots were at the rim. It's not like he was a center, but still 67% field goal percentage at the rim. That's really impressive. Like, really impressive. Yeah. And he was – you got to keep in mind, he's creating a lot of those shots for himself. This guy, when he's driving to the basket, he finishes it. And he finishes through traffic. And I think he dis- – from the videos I watched, he displayed a lot of, like – creativity and being able to finish their contact and cutting to the basket. And look, he's not, look, I think there's three and D wing potential, Like he was only 34% from three at Kentucky. So there's definitely room for improvement there. But uh, again, he's on two point jumpers at Kentucky this year. He was 42%. That's a pretty good number. 42% because most guys just, look at two point jumpers and are like, and don't work on the mid range game at all. You know, he, right. he was good on. So he, that's encouraging that he was a good mid range shooter. Hopefully he takes a good amount of mid range shots. Um, but obviously he'll need to get better to three. Um, I think he has the potential. I mean, with his, uh, <laughs> with his, uh, athleticism and with his, uh, wingspan and everything about him, I mean, six eleven. And three quarters, I think it is, right? His wingspan, it's He's got a big size, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's for, lengthy, man. Yeah, for a 6'9 kid. Now, if he, look, I guess the the knock on him, which Knicks fans, haters want to point out, always oh, only 213 pounds. Look, like I said, nineteen, only not, almost 19 years old. The kid can get bigger. Like, you look at what Frank did this offseason, he's getting bigger. He is, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's... I, there's room for growth, and if he gets bigger, if he works on that three-point shot, like I said, I think there's room for a really, really good, maybe great, 3 and D wing. And I would love it if David Fisdale started him at the small forward position. And when David Fisdale says things like that, I believe it that it's not just an empty thing he's saying at a press conference. I right. think it's something he's really going to seriously consider. So... I think the option is open for him. I'm looking forward to seeing him play in summer league, man. You know, the one thing that actually, because again, it, it was somebody that I know his name came up late, and I did not really buy into it. I, I focused on a few guys that I felt like would be there, and I knew he would be there. I just, again, I didn't see the Knicks taking him, um, you know, at, at, with the ninth pick. So is there something, Chip, that stands out to you that, may surprise people 
Uh, for example, you mentioned his shooting a little bit. Yeah, I, I did not know that he was considered a shooter. I figured, you know, with the big six foot nine guy, more of a uh, you know a post type player. But he actually has some range. Is there anything that maybe fans who like me did not really follow him through? What do you think? You know, an aspect of his game that might surprise some people. Well, I don't think he's more of. I don't think he's considered a shooter. I think he's considered more of a slasher. Like I said, he's attacks the rim a lot. Okay. But uh, I think he, like the ringer actually criticized him when I was writing up a profile on him. The ringer actually criticized him for settling for too many mid range jumpers. Um, so, but something that might like surprise you about his game. Like I just, from the videos I watched, he moves really well without the ball. Uh, and that's not something you say about like a teenager or anything uh, for the most part. Um, and I think that goes to, again, the way he finishes at the rim. Uh, he's a really good cutter. Like he's and one of the things that I was watching this video about Kentucky and he would play at the same time as like four guys who just couldn't shoot at all. So he would have no spacing on the court. Like he just had, it'd just be a, a log jam. Like there'd be nowhere for him to move. So when we, he would actually have somewhere to move, it, it would just be like night and day. It would be, it's, I encourage you to look that up, dude. It's really uh-huh. impressive. He's really good at moving without the ball and he's smart. And look, like I said, that's not something you say about a lot of teenagers. And it's something we said about Frank, too. He's smart with his passing. And, I, yeah, I, I really am encouraged by the things that I've seen with this kid. Now, like I said, <laughs> he is still a kid, and who knows? But um, I'm buying into him a lot. Buying into him a lot. I mentioned that I'm not furious like I was last year. And yes, you were of that. very. You were very upset. I want. I, I. I thought about throwing a few <laughs> things last year. You know, part of the reason why I'm not is because usually me and you kind of have the same kind of viewpoints. We, we much, you know, yeah. we know what the Knicks are looking for. I mean, I think anybody really that pays attention to the Knicks knows what they're looking for. And I, when I was asking you on draft night, what do you think? And you said. You know, you're happy with it. And hearing why, I'm not furious about it. I, I, I think, you know what, I, I'm actually getting more excited. And because me personally, I would have gambled with the Michael Porter Jr. risk. But at the same time, I'm kind of contradicting what I said. We can't really afford to gamble. And that's, you know, kind of what you're saying is... It's such, I, I hear you though, it's right. such a temptation. It, it's it, such a temptation. And we can't afford, though, if the back uh, – can you imagine if he can't play? Uh, you know, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's the next one. Imagine, imagine if you're Scott Perry, you're a rookie GM, you take him, and he has to sit out next season. Right. You're, I mean, wow. And already without Przingis, who's going to miss yep. a chunk of the season. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I bet I'm more encouraged. You know, on the radio show I had uh, – you know, they asked me what I think about the next pick, and, and I, I told them – I. You know, mentioned you. I said, "Well, my my co-host on my podcast, he he likes it, and he knows what he's talking about, and I trust him." So I be, I felt a little bit better. Uh, I'm hearing good things. I'm I'm starting the study up on him. 
Um, because again, I, I can't. This this threw me off. I, I would never thought Kevin Knox was going to be drafted by the Knicks a few weeks ago. You know, I just did not. His name didn't come up until we started talking about him last week. And you know, I, of course, I got some messages right after the Knicks picked. You know, with crying face emojis and trying to <laughs> you know mock the Knicks a little bit here. But the more I look at it, the more I like it, and I'm more excited about summer league because I just want to see this kid play. Uh, and really get a look at it because I didn't watch them a whole lot in Kentucky. I didn't watch Kentucky a lot this year because they didn't click. You know, they were they were just really struggling this year, not like your typical. And I know Kentucky is like the famous one-and-done type school, and every once in a while they get all those freshmen that come in and they just don't, they don't click. They don't ever really find their rhythm together out there on the floor, and that was kind of the case with Kentucky this year. So it kind of bored me to watch them. Uh, but I have been looking at them, and the more that you know, I, I watch and see what you're saying and compare it to what I'm seeing, I'm actually very happy um, with the direction uh, the Knicks went in this draft. And again, I, I've said it this offseason, I really feel like it's the first time in a while. And you guys know from listening, me and you, Chip, we have no problem bashing the Knicks and, and the management Not and all that all. stuff. We, we don't hold back from that, but... We honestly feel like they are actually taking steps in the right direction for the first time in quite a while, and I trust them. And I think that's another reason why I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable uh, with the selection, and I I just want to get to the summer league. I find it funny, though, Chip. You know the kid that was crying when they took Brzingis? Oh, Um, God. That was so annoying. he's, He's like a famous icon now. You know, last year with Neil Aquina, he was clapping and cheering and all excited. And Neil Aquina didn't do nothing. All right? <laughs> when he cries, those picks he work out. He didn't even out. know who Neil Aquina was. All right, he, he was just cheering cheer. his head off. And it just it resulted in five points a game. When he starts booing and pouting again, that seems to be the good luck. So that's another good omen, I guess, that we have. Or another good sign, I good, should say, yeah. that this guy's going to work the, out. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just meant to, to show be. up and tell him to show up with his idiot father and boo every year. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's a good sign when that kid is booing. When I saw that, made me feel even a little bit more better about the the selection because he don't know talent. I mean, he he boos Przingis, he cries over Przingis. Przingis is a baller. He's cheering his head off with Neil Aquina. Neil Aquina don't really do anything, and now he's booing Knox. Knox is ready to ball. And I'm looking forward to it. Summer League, by the way, July 7th. I have it on my calendar. Um, I'm ready to see some basketball. Can't wait. I, can't, can't I mean, wait. I, I cannot stand this part of year when there's just – I love baseball now. You know, I'm watching – got the Yankee game on right now. But I need other sports. I need other sports. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's not that far away until we get back into the action. We can win that Summer League championship that I'm talking about. That's right. Summer League champs, <laughs> Las Vegas, baby. I love it. All right, so we'll take a break. When we come back, we are going to take a look at the New York Knicks second-round pick. Uh, maybe a little bit of a, a surprise here from a, a kid who didn't play college basketball, Mitchell Robinson. So we'll look at him and, and share our thoughts about him uh, when we come back from the short break. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast, and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast. Segment one, we talked about 
Kevin Knox, the Knicks' first-round pick of this year's draft. Now we're going to take a look at who they took in the second round, which was Mitchell Robinson. And this is a very intriguing pick. It's a little bit of a risk. And, you know, Mitchell Robinson, a five-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, you know, was one of these guys that you expected to be a college star, uh, you know, was part of the McDonald's All-American game. And guess what? That's the last, like, competitive game he played because he showed up to campus um, and left basically, and tried to transfer into other schools. That didn't work out, and he went back, and I'm drawing a blank now of the school that he was supposed to be at. Um, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, okay. He went back and just went to class and decided that I'm just going to work out on my own. So this guy hasn't played really any organized basketball in a year and has just been working out. Uh, but what a lot of draft experts say is that he's raw and has a lot of potential, and if it works out, it's a steal for the Knicks. So, Chip, when you when you see that Mitchell Robertson is taken in the second round, what were your thoughts? Same thing as you. I thought it was intriguing. Uh, I thought definitely a gamble, but at pick 36, definitely a worthy gamble. Right. Uh, because if he hits on that, like you mentioned, five-star recruit, uh, he was 11th in the ESPN 100 in his class. So... If he hits on that potential, then it is the steal of the draft, potentially, for the Knicks. Right. So uh, if he comes anywhere close to that. So, uh, you know, David Fisdale compared him to Clint Capella in the press conference. I mean, if he comes close to that or is that, uh, wow. I mean, if we can get a Clint Capella out of this. uh, I've seen DeAndre. Yeah, I've seen DeAndre Jordan comparisons in terms of his shot blocking. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, his dunking. I think he's, you know, so we see DeAndre Jordan, Clint Capella. I think he's mostly right now a guy who uh, he, well, I don't know if you saw the video of him uh, taking one dribble from the other three-point line and then dunking it. Um, <laughs> that was incredibly impressive. Um but, uh, yeah, he's he is an athletic freak pretty much is what it looks like, uh, much like Capella and Jordan. He, I think he's a lob guy like those guys right now. He just blocking, uh, protecting the rim and finishing at the rim, dunking. Um, but uh, I've also seen, like you said, he's very raw. I, I don't think he can do much outside of that on defense or on offense. Um and I've also seen that he uh, has – it says here he has questionable instincts. Uh, he's turnover prone. Uh, yeah, he's lacks passing vision, it says here. that's That makes sense. You know, he, like you said, he hasn't played an organized basketball game since April of 2017. Yeah. So he's going to be a little rusty, I think. Uh, one thing that's a red flag that you probably didn't uh, – that you didn't mention – was uh, he committed to uh, uh, being in the NBA draft combine. And then uh, on the day of the event, he withdrew from the combine events. It was very, very strange, very strange. But um, on the day of, you know, but uh, yeah, the whole, and then the whole thing at Western Kentucky, which, you know, that's another, that's another podcast altogether. (laughs) 
Um, very weird. Uh, but yeah, it's like I said, uh, with his, with his gifts though, I mean, he's seven feet tall, seven foot four wingspan, nine, nine foot standing reach. I mean, he's a freak. So, and it's a worthy gamble. If they had taken him at nine, uh, that would have been a disaster. Right. But, but they took him at 36. So he's like, he's a wild card. He's, it's a, there's a lot of questions about him and, uh, you know, he's, we'll, we'll see. It's, uh, it's interesting. I like the pick because, you know, the Knicks are going to, because David Fizdale is known for developing players and, uh, they have the right coach for this kid. So if, so hopefully it works out, but if it doesn't work out, you know what? He was a second round pick anyway. It's not like they drafted him in the top 10 or anything. You know, when I see the Knicks did this, I, I, I remember this guy's story. And I, I, it's a good point that you brought up that he uh, dropped out of the combine the day of. And I think really what that was, if he had a bad showing, he wasn't getting drafted. He was not getting drafted at all. So I think it was a strategic thing. It might have been at the last minute, but you know what? I, I don't know in the scrimmages if I take and I look bad, it's going to hurt me. It's going to hurt me, and I think because that it was a smart move on his part not to do the combine. Sometimes players won't because then all scouts can do is based off of things that they have already seen uh, and old scouting reports. There's nothing to go, oh, well, now you know this is uh, – this. This doesn't look good. You know, you could tell he hasn't played a, a competitive game in a long time. So I think it was very smart on his part to do that. This pick, when I saw it, I, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad gamble. Here's the thing. You know, you got last year we traded away um, Billy Hearn Gomez. And what I talked about was, okay, the only way that trade looks smarter is if you get some production out of Luke Carnett. And I think what this does, it puts a competition for that that role on the team. You know, that backup center role. Possibly, I can, these guys might have to start this year with Brzingis being out. I, I, you know, that would kind of work itself out. But this is good for the Knicks in the, in the terms of competing for roster spots. It's going to make Luke Cornett step up his game more and earn it. Uh, and, you know, like I said, that Hernan Gomez trade, the only way that looks good is if you can find somebody to kind of step up and play that role for him. Because then, you know what, at the end of the day, you get another pick, uh, and I believe, in next year's draft. So this guy has tons of athletic ability, a lot of bounce. You know, as you mentioned, you know, a seven-footer. With that big wingspan, I mean, I mean, it's ridiculous. Another tall, lengthy guy, um, you know, seven seven foot three and a half wingspan. It's a long, lengthy dude right there. They also, um, you mentioned some of his comparisons. Um, I have saw DeAndre Jordan. Uh, another one that I'm seeing is Willie Cauley Stein, and again, that's because he's more looked at as an uh, as a defensive player, uh, shot blocker. A guy that has you know a high defensive IQ, and you know that's what the Knicks need. They need to continue to find guys that are going to protect the paint, and you know intimidate opposing teams. 
coming inside, and that way it's not so easy. It's something the Knicks lack, and it's something they're going to lack without Brzingis being there for this long period of time that he's going to be out. Um, And look, the offensive game, what I've seen, a lot of reports, this is not from my own eyes, this is you know what a lot of the scouts that spent more time looking at him than I have, um, and they talk about, you know, he, he's athletic, he's going to be above the rim, a lot of putback dunks, you know, he crashes the glass, he plays with a high motor, uh, but he's not a very skillful offensive player. You're not going to see, you know, great post moves from him. Uh, and I also see a lot of um, scouting reports say that he sometimes will try to take an outside shot that it's not his range, but he'll shoot it anyway. He'll force up some shots, and I think that's that comes with you being a little young. I don't think that's going to be the case when he's working in the Knicks system. I don't see him taking those ill-advised shots or shots that are out of his comfort zone. Uh, I think he's going to have to be a guy that runs the floor, uh, pick-and-roll type, catch-lobs, throwing it down that way, uh, cleaning up the glass. Uh, and, you know, over time, you just hope that he develops. You always want your big guys to expand their range a little bit. I'm like, we don't need him to become a three-point shooter. But, you know, that elbow jump shot or right, you know, five, seven feet in the lane, if you can add that touch right there, it just makes you more of a complete offensive player. And, of course, a back-to-the-basket game because then he can utilize his length. But overall, you know, I, I don't mind this risk right here due to the aspect of him bringing in competition for all these Nick forwards and centers. Um, and he's somebody else that I'm going to be looking forward to seeing in the summer league because he hasn't played a basketball game in a long time. Uh, and the projected role, according to Bleacher Report, Chip has him as a starter. Do you see this guy as a starter? I think if he hits, he's definitely capable of being a starter. I think, you know, he's got all this talent that everyone's talking about, his athleticism, uh, he's got what every team wants their big man to have right now. He's capable of protecting the rim and finishing at the rim. And he's can run in transition. You know, he can do whatever. He's a modern day big man, you know. Um, but like you said, he doesn't have the shot that uh, a team would uh, ideally want a big man to have. But from what you read and see, it doesn't sound like he's ever going to be that guy. But, you know, like we talked about Clint Capella earlier, Clint Capella doesn't have that, and he's the starter on a team that was one win away from going to the right. NBA Finals. So, yeah, I think if he hits, he definitely has the perceived skill set to be a starter. But we'll see. Who knows? It's We have we literally, like you said, we, we haven't seen this guy in an organized basketball game in over a year. So we have we have no idea. <laughs> you, do you look at it as a red flag? Perhaps you know, just he went he went to school, didn't like something, and then just walked away, tried to transfer, and then you know, just I'm just gonna shut it down, and, or not really shut it down, but just work out on my own. Do you do you think that's a, a character thing, or do you just you don't look at it as that big of a deal? Uh, you know what, what happened with him once he got on college campus. I think it's definitely a bit of a red flag, something you need to notice. But uh, ultimately, it shouldn't deter you from drafting him. No, I. uh, but I think you should keep it in the back of your mind. Like, uh, you should worry about him. But, yeah, 
one of the one of the reasons you shouldn't spend a first round pick on him, but it shouldn't deter you from uh, spending the thirty sixth overall pick on him <laughs> just right. because he you know he was kind of a baby about the whole thing that happened in Western Kentucky. That doesn't mean you should pass on him at thirty six. All right, so you know what this is what the Knicks got, and you know it's a, another guy that has some potential. You know, obviously you're a five star recruit. Um, and not all the time, just because you're a big time recruit out of high school makes you a, a, an elite NBA player. We see people like that all the time fizzle out and never really reach their full potential, or some of them already reach their full potential in high school. That happens. You know, you, a lot of people don't might, might not realize that, but sometimes. There are players in high school who that's as good as they're ever going to get. Sometimes, you know, and obviously the goal is to get better and better and keep getting better and adding something to your game. So there's no guarantee here, obviously, because he was a five-star recruit and played in the McDonald's All-American game and the Jordan brand classic. Uh, so it, it's no guarantee, but the upside is there. And this guy does have some uh, solid comparisons to players that have impacts on their team and – you know, he's somebody that I think the Knicks are, should give a shot to. And, again, I think it just makes it deeper in, in the sense of competition, and that's what a team like the Knicks need to have. You know, Everybody should be competing for a spot, minutes. It shouldn't be just given to them. Uh, you got to go out there and earn it. And when you're in a situation like the Knicks right now, they're going to be playing a lot of young guys yeah, with, with some injuries and all that. It's an opportunity for these players to get playing time right away and you know go through those growing pains a bit. But this is a, a another pick. I, I thought the Knicks were solid with their draft. And right before we wrap it up, really quick, uh, quick Chip, if you had to give a grade to the Knicks, what would you give them for their draft? A B plus. Okay. Sure. I can't. I can't give them an A because there's so many question marks surrounding these guys. But I think a B plus is for sure the right grade because I think it was the right kind of picks to make for the Knicks. I, as much as I like Mikel Bridges, I think that a guy like Knox is an even better pick for the state that the team's in right now. And we just talked about Robinson. I, I like that pick too. I think he was a worthy gamble. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that's a fair, you know, B, B plus. Um, so I'm, I, I thought it was solid. Again, I think this organization is doing things right. And I, I trust who they're, bringing in uh it's obviously different from last year's management when you know phil jackson was a guy picking for his his system uh and these guys have a plan how they're going to run the organization and and bring in guys that fit that kind of plan so i'm excited to see how it will work out and with that being said we are going to wrap up here in the second segment when we come back we'll be in our third and final segment with uh, a, a new Segment idea. You know, we've hinted around to this before in shows where we talked about we got something fun coming from the summer. We think uh, our listeners will enjoy it. Uh, so we'll reveal that in just a quick minute. Hi, everybody. Matt Costello here, writer at EliteSports.com and co-host of the Next State of Mind podcast. Just wanted to take this time to thank the fans and remind listeners to follow our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at podcast or on our Facebook page at the Nick State of Mind podcast. Come be a part of the discussion. We want to hear from you and talk about the Knicks. Final segment here of the Nick State of Mind podcast. And uh, right before we reveal kind of what we had planned for our fun segment, you know, last year, remember, we did 
the Knicks ultimate team where we took a Nick, uh, a former Nick, anybody that's ever put on a Nick uniform for a certain position. I think we also did the six man. Uh, and we had a lot of fun with the listeners on that with our Twitter page and uh, people telling us who they would pick. And uh, some, some of you guys put some good teams out there as well. So we're going to try to do a, a fun segment like that to wrap up the show. Uh, but before we get into that and I reveal that, I, we talked a little bit last year, the first year of Ice Cube's Big Three. And I, I was talking to you, Chip, a little bit uh, before we came on the show. I asked you if you got a chance to watch this week, which you you didn't get a chance to yet. Um, but a couple of former Knicks playing in it, and there, there are several former Knicks actually playing in it, but some new guys to the league this year, Nate Robertson and Amari Stoudemire. Um, what do you what do you think about those guys playing in the big three? I think for Nate Robinson, it's probably a way for him to try and get back in the league because he's still trying to get back in there. Uh, Amari, uh, didn't he mention something about like the same thing? Isn't he trying to make a comeback too or something? Yeah, yeah, he's he's been trying for since you know he left the country to play and coach a little bit and, and all that weird stuff. But I, I think with his injury prone history uh you don't have a shot to go back and i think out of the two nate has a better shot but yes you are right he's also looking at a return to the league yeah it it seems like they're both young enough to nate uh, i think it's been a couple years since nate's played but i I guess it's a good route to take i mean didn't josh childress play in there a couple years ago and it gets signed to like a gb deal or something he's still playing in it Oh, he's still playing. Yeah, he's still playing in it. Oh, I thought maybe maybe it was somebody else. I think somebody was. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's an interesting route to take. Uh, it, it can't. It seems like like we were talking before we uh, started the show. It seems like something that uh, a three on three game seems like something that Stoudemire would dominate. Right. So. A lot of spacing and then just you know that elbow jump shot that he has. He, you know, still could stroke it. Uh, he played pretty well. I think Nate Robinson had like 11 points and that team win and almost a fight. So it was very interesting. Uh, you know, different attitude guys come in. Uh, and then, yeah, they're on the team called Tri-State that's uh, coached by Dr. J. And they, they their first game was against Trilogy, the team that won it last year and went 10-0. and They just dominated everybody. So they already knocked off the champs on the first First week, a lot of emotion to the game. Uh, Nate Robertson about started the fight, and I like it. It was very entertaining, a lot of fun. So if you haven't got the chance to watch the Big Three or thought about it, or it, it's it's worth watching. It's something to do during the offseason, get some basketball in. And guys do play at high levels now. You know, guys are diving on the floor. It's a physical game. Uh, so if you haven't gave it a try, give it a try. You can see some former Knicks out there that could still play a little bit. Al Harrington plays in it. He was hurt, uh, did not play this last week, but that guy still puts up like twenty a game easily. If he, he you know, that guy is just a, a pure score. Um, so yeah, check that out. Uh, but with that being said, we'll kind of wrap up the show with what we're looking to do, uh, and what we came up with is now we're going to look at. The top 10 Knicks. We're going to come up with a list. We'll start with number 10, and we, we'll start this next week on on the episode at the end where we'll give our, our 10th all-time Nick. Yeah, it's a list that we're going to come up with one at a time, 
Uh, we'll give our reasonings why we put that Nick player there. And again, this is just a great segment for the listeners to participate and, and see who they would pick in their top 10. And, you know, I know sometimes, you know, a lot of the old school fans, Chip, they, they, uh, they, they wanted more old school from our ultimate team pick. So, you know, it's an opportunity to go out and, and tweet us. And you can go on the NYKSOM podcast, tweet us. And you also can go to the Next State of Mind Facebook page and let us know uh, your pick. So next week we will reveal our number 10th uh, all-time Nick player. So we're looking forward to that. Chip, you already been thinking about who who's on your list or, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard. I, I mean, I already know who my number one guy is. But uh, it's harder to fill out like the end of your list you know you it's more competitive than you'd think right you know, there's a lot of guys who've been successful and then you have guys who haven't been with the team that long do you want to reward guys more for time served with the team it, it's hard even though some guys may have served less time but have better stats than the other guys it's it's hard to do you gotta have your own categories it's hard it's hard man uh, you're you're a lot further along than me. I don't even have my number one yet, so I'll be. Yeah. I'll have to do my homework. You don't have your number. Wow, no, my number I, I, I got a few my choices. Easy. Yeah, I got a few choices, but it's. I, I'm gonna have to do some homework on this one and try to come up with the the top ten best list. You know, I don't. Quite frankly, I don't even know where to start. That's why it's a little challenging, as you said. There's so many factors that go into it, um, so it, it should be fun. And again, that will be coming on uh, next week, so you can tune in and listen to uh, our top 10. We'll start at 10, and, and you can play along with us each week as we get down to our top Nick of all time. So with that being said, we are going to wrap up the show. We'll be back next week for another episode of the Nick State of Mind podcast.